Thanks everyone for joining us on this episode of CX Cast. I'm Jenny Wise, joined here in the studio by co-host Sam Stern. And we're also joined here today by Dave Johnson, who is a principal analyst on the infrastructure and operations team. Hello, Dave. Hello, Jenny and Sam. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for joining. So employee experience seems to be a hot topic, um, but to help set the stage for everyone listening or for those who don't spend a lot of time focusing on an employee experience, what exactly is meant by employee experience, especially versus other concepts such as employee engagement or employee culture? I agree with you. It is a hot topic right now, but I don't think that's going to be temporary, right? I think that the industry is learning how important employee experience is to customer outcomes, to financial performance, to the overall health of the organization. And so I think it'll be a long-term thing, just like exercise. So employee experience is part of the company's fitness regimen. And and just to add to what Dave was mentioning, we did come up with a formal definition as we want to do. And and, and often the the exercise and crafting something like that is helpful for us to clarify our thinking. And what we came up with, very intentionally designed to mirror the definition Forrester created for customer experience, which is it's the sum of the customer's perceptions of their interactions with a firm. So we have employee experience is the sum of employees' perceptions of their experiences working within an organization. And so you can probably hear in that definition that, that implies this can go in a lot of directions, that it's almost wow. anything that impacts how an employee would think and feel and, and be able to do their jobs within mm-hmm. their company. People are confused. What's the difference between employee engagement and employee experience? Well, employee engagement is the outcome, right? Yeah. Employee experience is the cause. Yeah, I, I love that. You clarified that for me, Dave, and I, it really helped me to think about it, the difference between the two better. Employees will be engaged when you have a good employee experience that makes them feel confident that they can accomplish their most important work and really focus on that and thrive in that environment. And then when we think about culture, culture is one of the components that is rolled up into that employee experience. Is that right? Again, it's an important factor, right? Mm-hmm. It, uh, it doesn't roll into employee experience, but it, employee experience is definitely an outcome or a product of culture. At mm-hmm. least that's my view. And Sam, I don't know. You're you're more of an expert on culture than I am, so I'll let you weigh in on that one. What I would add to what you said, Dave, is that understanding what your culture is and who might be successful in your culture, or you know where there are different sort of pockets within your organization that are with slightly different flavors of your culture helps you to create an employee experience and, and helps you to sort of align what you need to do to improve the employee experience with what your culture is and who is suited for your culture. Yeah, it's interesting. Agreed. And we'll, we'll probably get into that with some of the examples of different firms, but, um, you know, there are vastly different work styles and, and cultures at different organizations. Um, they're not all equally good. It's not to say that any culture would work, but it is to say there are different flavors of good workplace cultures. And you just want to be honest about which type you have, because that will help you to then focus on employee experience in a way that fits your culture. Right. So then we're thinking about this focus on employee experience, but why does it matter? Why <laughs> is this something that companies should be including as part of their, their fitness and part of their goals? It turns out there's quite a bit of data and science behind the answer to that question. So, you know, our research, and, and Sam and I have worked on this for a long time, like I said, for at least the last six years for me, uh, looking at the outcomes in business terms, right, of employee experience and, and what it means and what the relationships are. So one of the outcomes... <laughs> 
of a better employee experience is lower employee turnover, right? There was a study that was published, I think it was back in 2013 or 2014, but it was uh, the first one that I had seen that was really field-based over many, many years, right? 300,000 data points in this study uh, over time. And what they learned is that for every standard deviation increase you get in employee turnover, right? So it could go from maybe 11% to 22%, let's say. You get about a 40% reduction in overall productivity of your workforce and about a 28% reduction in profit, right? And that's just consistent. And there are several other studies that have had similar kinds of results. And so that's just one outcome, right? That's just one dimension is lower employee turnover. But that's to say nothing of better employee productivity and engagement and a whole bunch of other factors, right? So it really is the engine behind a successful growing company is an employee experience where people feel engaged, right? And feel like they want to continue to produce and do their best. And I can and speak a little bit more about that in a second, but I'll pause there. I would add essentially nothing to that. I mean, I think those are such important elements that we actually have really good data and yeah. there's been some really good academic studies done of workers at companies. And um, and so I think the evidence is out there. I've always sort of framed it as, you know, you do want to make a rigorous case for why this matters in your organization, but you cannot say that it hasn't been proven out. We often get that pushback. That's why we say, well, you know, yeah, I, I can conceptually, I know employee experience matters, but it's hard to sort of tease out the impact it has. And it's it maybe hard, but it's not impossible. And it's been done. So you should take yeah. that and jump off from that as, okay, we need to figure out how to model this out at our organization, not, you know, sort of throw our hands up and say it can't be done. And, you know, one of the outcomes, right, is discretionary effort. Uh, when people choose to do something to go above and beyond, that's what great customer experience is made out of, right? Is when people get more than what they expected. The difference between one definition of a positive customer experience or customer satisfaction is the difference between what's expected and what's received, right? And when and people can consistently go to an organization and go to a company they do business with and receive more than they expect, right? That's a product of discretionary effort. And there's an IBM study that showed that about 95% of employees reporting a positive experience with their company say that they will engage in activities that are beneficial of their company, but aren't necessarily part of their job. And for those that report a poor employee experience, it drops to about 55%, right? So again, discretionary effort is a huge outcome here. That's interesting. I like how you just tie that into the resulting customer experience too, right? These are very intertwined. If I feel as an employee that I am empowered and able, as well as being acknowledged for and fully behind the vision of the company that I am more likely to go above and beyond and want to live out those values, um, whether it's in a customer experience facing role or another role. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love that. I I think there's so much in there that we would recognize in our own lives. And, and, you know, it's been, again, this is written up in in all the sort of behavior change books, you know, whether it's the Heath brothers or, or some other sort of popularizer of academic studies. But the idea that if something is easier to do, or if something is the way that we do it, or if I know I'll be, you know, rewarded or, or, you know, encouraged for doing something, I'm more likely to do it. And that's a lot of sort of what's behind employee experiences. Can we give them the tools and the training and the environment where they believe that if they go above and beyond for this customer, if they extend themselves slightly, it will be worth it, right? It won't be too hard for them to do it, right? Because the tools or the coaching enables them. It Mm -hmm. will be recognized and celebrated, for them having done it, not that they will get in trouble. There are so many of those little things, little nudges at the margins of your employee experience that, as Dave says, will tell whether they expend that discretionary effort, go take that next step that they aren't obligated to do or they don't have to do or not. So then it sounds like this is something that's important to focus on. We've got some hard (laughs) data and facts to prove this out. So can we give some examples of companies that have done this, that are focusing on improving the employee experience? There were several. 
several companies that we had uh, we had looked at and spoken with uh, as part of this research. One of them, it's a, it's a common company to focus on, I, I understand, but it is a very specific example, and it underscores why uh, this particular company has a good overall employee experience, but it was Starbucks. They have an annual employee turnover of about 65%, and you have to contrast that because with the rest of their industry, because the rest of their industry averages about 150 to 400% for annual employee turnover. There's lots of industry data on this that pegs the cost of replacing store employees at about 16% of annual pay. So the company saves about $3,000 every year for each employee that retains. And so if you've got 162,000 employees as they do, every 1% increase in retention is going to save the company about $1.7 million. Now, an example of what they had done was when they rolled out a mobile ordering app, right, for their stores. And I'm using this example because it's something that probably most people listening to this podcast can relate to. You could submit an order to your local Starbucks and go and pick it up. Well, they realized after listening to what employees had to say that it was creating a abnormal workflow, if you will, right within the store mm-hmm. that was very disruptive to their ability to serve customers that were in the store. And that was resulting in lower employee experience and satisfaction scores because they were not uh, able to deliver on the customer experience that they were being held accountable for, right? And so they looked at that and said, okay, that's realistic. What can we change, right? What, what, what can we do differently to help make it easier for our employees to be able to serve both the in-store customers as well as the mobile app order customers? And they implemented several changes in the way that they operate as well as increasing staffing in some stores that were experiencing that problem particularly acutely and also adjusting metrics and other things. And so really important to think of it that way. When you're going to make a significant change that's going to impact employees' ability to succeed, which is tied to their sense of survival and everything else, I can get into that separately. It's focusing on that experience and, and, uh, and making sure that they can succeed and uh, you know providing the resources, if you will, organizationally that they need to be able to do that. Great example. And, and again, David, you know, we, we sort of often with a brand like Starbucks, like, all right, you know, you probably do talk about them a lot. But I, I love the idea, too, that, you know, inherent in that example, there's fallibility, right, that they rolled something out yeah. that was going to be value enhancing for customers, but made it harder, more complicated for employees. And they took that seriously. And you can right. sort of see that in their response that they know that this is important. And so there was a reaction. Another yep. example um, that I like from a very different company in a very different industry that won't be familiar to our listeners, most of our listeners, uh, it's called Crow Horvath. And they're a uh, B2B accounting services firm. One of the things they recognized as a challenge, sort of a two-part challenge in their culture was behind the scenes employees were not connected to their impact on client experience. And here was an organization like many of the ones we work with that was trying to transform to deliver this great client experience. And yet you have this huge cohort of employees who feel left out of that. And so you can imagine how that suggests to them that their work no longer holds the importance they might have thought previously. If suddenly we're f- so focused as an organization on client experience, but I don't interact with clients. So does, does my work matter anymore? So they had this huge push. And one of the reasons those employees couldn't see that is they never got recognition or feedback for their contributions to client experience. So what Crow did is, is they created this program they called Pay It Forward, where every time a client feedback survey came in and mentioned one of their client-facing employees by name, that employee got a pay-it-forward alert to go in and add their colleagues' names to the story. Who else helped you? With a particular focus on behind-the-scenes employees to start, one, to show the -the behind-the-scenes employees, probably in, in many instances for the first time, this is how you help us deliver great client experiences. This is already validated by the client survey coming in. And it's a recognition moment. And they saw the percent of employees who said they'd been recognized for their contributions to client experience went up by more than 50%. It was mm-hmm. this huge opportunity to suddenly say, yeah, I know I've been recognized and now that helps me know how I can contribute. And again, reestablishes 
for me that my work matters here and, and, and I'm valued here. I bet that also helps too with internal understanding among the employees. Yes. Right. I know that we do, you know, customer journey maps and then employee journey maps, you know, say, oh, I do the website, but then <laughs> who provided the content for the website? And this breakdown happens internally that people don't know how they all work behind the scenes together and how you connect the dots. So that's right. also an avenue to make those connections and have those conversations too. 100%. And an outgrowth of this, it was recognition, but they were seeing these commonalities, these themes, mm-hmm. these trends pop up in what the behind the scenes employees had done to support their client facing colleagues, that they started to net that out into more specific and it was very detailed behavioral guidelines that became the basis for training for how behind the scenes employees could support their client facing colleagues to deliver a great client experience. And what I love about that is, you know, it's again, another enabler of the employee experience. We're now going to give you really specific guidance about how to do this consistently all the time. One thing to pull forward here as well, there's a a common theme beneath what you're saying, Sam, and I, I really want to pull out here. And that is that the employees involved here just wanted to be successful in what they yeah. were doing. And, you know, it'd be easy to conclude maybe from this discussion that recognition is the most important thing. Well, it turns out that it is important, but it's not the most important. Dr. Teresa Amabile at the Harvard Business School has done a lot of work on this. What makes people happy at work, right? And what fosters innovation, what fosters their, their willingness to engage in, in discretionary effort and so on. It turns out that uh, the most important factor, it's, if you survey a group of a thousand managers, they'll tell you it's recognition, right? Most HR groups will tell you it's recognition or it's important work or it's great colleagues, right, or it's a great culture. Not that those things aren't important. It's just that they're not the most important. It turns out the most important factor is being able to make progress every day toward the work that they know is most important, right? Getting things done. And when they can have a day, um, when they can be fully successful in what they're doing, then everything peaks, right? Their energy peaks, their engagement peaks, everything gets better. And so, you know, think about that as you think about employee experience improvement efforts. Really, what you're trying to do is remove impediments, right? Remove Mm -hmm. barriers to people's ability to succeed. Sometimes those, you know, barriers are within themselves, right? Admittedly. (laughs) More often than not, they're also organizational and process and other things or technology. That ties back to that Starbucks example too, right? They right. were they weren't upset because they weren't getting employee of the month or some larger recognition for you know making the best drink. Um, they were upset because right. they just wanted to get their customers their coffee, and this yeah. was yeah. making it really hard they for them to, to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's funny. I think Peter Drucker, you know, the famous business thinker, once said that uh, most of what we call management consists of making it difficult for people to get their work done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's any malice in it, it's just, it just happens, right? We talk a lot about the customer experience, yeah. right? And how Starbucks maybe made that move to improve the customer experience. But then on the other side of that, there's this employee experience. And when companies have to think about how they weigh these against each other, uh, we often hear the mantra, the customer is always right. We're going to be customer right. first in everything we do. And sometimes that may come, it sounds like at the risk of employee experience or mm. cause changes to the employee experience. So I'm curious as to what you would recommend to companies. What is the right answer? Is it always customer first? Is it employee first? Is it something else? That is one of the great philosophical debates in the industry. And is it employees first or is it customers first? And my answer to that, and Sam, I don't know if you would agree, but my answer to that is, why does it have to be either or? Why can't we elevate the employee experience to the same level as customer experience, right? We treat them the same. We have high standards uh, for ourselves when it comes to dealing with customers. We should have high standards for ourselves when it comes to dealing with employees and uh, and for technology and for everything else. And, and there's a common misconception that back office technology and things like that don't matter as much 
is customer-facing technology, and that is just not true. I can cite countless examples of companies who invested in technologies that uh, improved the employee experience in ways that had a transformative effect on customer experience as well. To give you a quick one, Southwest Airlines, they have a mobile app for their employees. They realized that one of the problems that they had with poor customer experience, if there were any, was that uh, canceled flights. And one of the reasons for canceled flights was that sometimes employees will have a situation in their life that comes up that they cannot make that flight. It could be traffic. It could be, you know, a sick child. It could be anything, you know, uh, death in the family, whatever it may be. And so they were not going to be able to make the flight. But the mobile app allows them to be able to put their trip up for bid. And because all their aircraft are essentially the same, they all have the same kind of training program and so on, anybody could really substitute in and do that person's job, whether it be a captain or a co-pilot or a, uh, a flight attendant or a purser. And so that ability to be able to do that meant that somebody could step in who needed the hours, who needed the money, who needed the work and take on that flight and they wouldn't have to cancel the flight and both people got what they needed to and the customer got mm-hmm. what they needed to. It's an example of a win-win for both. I love that example. I will divert from Dave a little bit. I do think that customers come first. However, and and to sort of, you know, and where I agree with Dave yeah. is, I think there's a way to do customer centricity, customer obsession, customer first, customer focus, all the different customer whatever terms that companies are rolling out in a way that elevates the employee, puts them at the heart of how you're going to make customers loyal and delighted with their interactions with you. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of companies aren't doing that. And what's a shame about that is, one, their employees are, you know, either going to go above and beyond, as we've talked about with this discretionary effort, or are going to be a great limiting factor on your ability to deliver good customer experience. And if you really connect them in an authentic way to their part, all of them, you know, behind the scenes employees as well, to the parts they play in delivering a great customer experience, that immediately embodies their work with more meaning and purpose and value. And that is something that, as Dave was alluding to before, makes them feel better about their work. Mm -hmm. They see the impact it has on customers. They see the importance of it. They see the way that done right, they can delight people in the world. That makes the employee experience better. And so that's why I think customer experience Mm -hmm. goes first, but as much as possible, you should be doing it in a way that adds more meaning and value and importance to the work the employees do. And I completely agree with you, Sam. I mean, ultimately, customer experience does come first. Causing that example of the flight, um, if yeah. the employee can't make it, you don't just cancel the flight and you say, well, customer, sorry, yeah, <laughs> we right. have a, an employee problem. Yeah. Although you know, sometimes you may have to do that. You say, okay, well, how can we create a solution where the employee is okay, other employees yeah. can still be effective, and the customer can still get what they need. Right. So it's right. this. Um, you should have both, right? This doesn't have to be an either or situation. Right. It's elevating employee experience, right? So then to do this, to put it into action for companies, are there specific steps that should be taken first to improve this employee experience? Well, several things, but if I had to just pick (laughs) one or two things, right? It it first starts with the acceptance and recognition that employee experience begins and ends with worker productivity. That's what it comes down Mm -hmm. to. Facilitating people's progress and helping balance the demands that they face and the work that they do with resources organizationally, help them develop themselves so they've got better resources internally as well to do it, right? So that uh, so that they can they can be successful in what they're doing. And so various ways to do that, right? One of them is, like we mentioned and you mentioned earlier, Jenny, was employee journey mapping. Mm-hmm. Taking the time to evaluate and uh, an employee journey, and it could be nurses, right? Or it could be customer-facing employees, or it could be back office employees like uh, insurance claims processing, right? Several examples I can think of, you know, from the insurance industry and banking and finance where improving and mapping out back-end employee experiences like that had a significant 
effect on customer experience because you were removing barriers from their ability to be successful in what they were doing in support of the overall customer experience, right? But the important thing is when you do a journey mapping exercise, you're not just identifying the obvious things, right? You're also identifying things that we say are below the line of visibility. They're systemic things that could be in the way, such as metrics, right, and measurements that are, that are counterproductive uh, in that scenario, or uh, underlying technologies and technology decisions, uh, such as uh, a given security protocol that is, that is actually inhibiting significantly people's ability to, to be successful in what they're doing, things like that, right, that, uh, that will really come out of employee journey mapping. The second thing I would recommend uh, people do is start putting together a fact based understanding, benchmark, if you will, of what their employee experience really looks like today. Forrester recently, Sam and I worked together on this along with our, uh, some people on our data team uh, who are extremely helpful uh, in putting this together, but we've, we've put together in our workforce surveys uh, an employee experience index effectively, right? That includes a whole bunch of dimensions that were never you know, really brought forward before. Uh, we started with, you know, so certainly everybody looks at uh, Gallup for employee engagement, which is a good measure of outcomes, right? But what are some of the causal factors? such as the balance between demands and resources. Those are the things that we looked at in our data, and uh, and we will continue to be publishing that data as part of our business technographics products and, and the research that Sam and I and others do you know, through 2018. But you know, being able to benchmark yourselves against you know yourself <laughs> over time with the right dimensions, right, the causal factors is another thing that I would recommend companies start doing. Yeah, and Dave, I want to go back to one part of your answer, just to add one thing. The idea of the employee journey mapping, looking for barriers and, and sort of unforeseen, a lot of them are sort of unanticipated, unintended barriers or consequences to right. well-intentioned goals and process decisions. But also, so so there's going to be a lot of stuff that you like, wow, I cannot believe that's having that impact or, or being seen, perceived in that way by our employees. But also employees, and this is sort of a, you know, behavioral change trick, they're telling themselves a hero's journey story, right? Where they, mm-hmm. but for the you know, man, bad management practices getting in their way, but for the barriers, but for the technology system that's slow to load and right. doesn't support them, they would be great at their job. In fact, they are great at their job. So by removing barriers first, you really align with the story that people want to tell themselves, that I'm not a bad person and you made me change my mind. I'm a good person. I mean well, I intend well, I'm trying. And now you're making my efforts work better because suddenly the systems work or my colleagues have gotten with it or my manager is encouraging me now in a way they weren't before. And that will resonate more with employees handling it from that way rather than you must shape up employees. Mm-hmm. It's right. we must get out of your way, employees, so that you can thrive and do the work we know you can do. I agree with you 100%, but there's also a subtle art in management, okay. right, that goes to getting people to be willing to examine their own barriers, right, to their own progress, their own ability to focus and so on and hold high standards to themselves as well, right? So it's not just what the organization can do, but it is also how you manage and coach people uh, to improve their own ability yeah. to focus and perform, right, and willingness to do so. But in order to do that, right, you've got to, you've also got to remove these barriers that everybody can see. You, you don't want employees perceiving that you are not willing to do organizationally what's necessary to improve. Yeah. Let's all change, and we, yeah. manage, management, will go first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's Lead by example, right? Yeah. yeah. So when you think of the lovers of employee experience, 
you know, again, you said that this is this culmination of all all the perceptions of the employee. Yeah. Um, it spans everything from training to coaching to individual personalities, it sounds like, right? Yeah. And how yeah. you, you manage, yeah. you know, change or conflict um, to technology, right, on yeah. the back end. So that's really interesting. Well, thank you, Sam and Dave, for sharing some of these insights to our listeners. We'll include some links to some of this research that they've been working on for years, most recently <laughs> a report, the employee experience imperative. And thanks for joining. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of CXCast. And remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality. (laughs) 